passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And we are live, everybody. Welcome to the Cafe Hangout. It's John Pollock and waiting live with you for the next hour and a half, taking your phone calls, going through all of the news, and we've got a very special guest that's going to be joining us in about 20 minutes' time. Kristen Ashley from the Bell to Bell's, Bell to Bell's website is going to be joining us uh, to chat about uh, a whole host of topics. So we're looking forward to that. Lots of stuff to get into. But Mr. Ting, how are you? Doing pretty well. Yeah, yourself? I'm doing well. It's uh, it's really cold outside. It is damn cold. It's it even is, cold inside. It's cold inside. I uh, I do apologize. I'm freezing. No, it's okay. I mean, usually my coffees are like burning hot when I get them. Is it cold? Like within seconds, this thing Oh, chilled. just walking outside with uh, it? Not even walking, like staying inside. Wow. But, yeah. Well, it's uh, that gives everyone a sense of uh, what the weather is like in Toronto. I went out this morning. Brutal. Don't come here, everybody. Why would you? Why would anybody live here? Nah, this is not the time of the year to be uh, the, uh, investing in Toronto tourism. But coming up uh, today, your phone calls. We will be getting to them uh, to chat about whatever topics you would like. If you would like to uh, give us a call, the phone number to jot down is 732-800-4423. Or you can search for Post Wrestling on Skype and dial in. I also want to make mention that this morning, Tickets went on sale for Post Wrestling's Live in Tampa Q&A show that's going to be going down on Sunday, April the 5th at noon at the Art Institute of Tampa. And tickets are available now. We have a VIP ticket that is uh, provides you a VIP lunch with the two of us, then a Post Wrestling Live in Tampa t-shirt, access to the Q&A the Southern Drink Bar, a parking space for the entire day, mm-hmm. which is walking distance from WrestleMania, so it could come in handy, and a post Q&A meet and greet with the two of us. That's a whole lot of That's stuff. That's a lot of That's us. That's a lot of us, yeah. You do not have to. You can get the VIP ticket and pick and choose. I mean, you do not have to do all of them. If if you so choose, you're more than welcome to. But uh, we'll, we'll just stay by your car the whole day. Like, not only do you get the parking spot, we'll just watch it the whole day as well. Sure. Uh, we've also got um, regular tickets available that include the, the Q&A, the Southern Drink Bar, and the meet and greet. So whatever whatever ticket you get, it does come with the, the meet and greet after. We also have an option where you can uh, come by. It comes with a T-shirt and the parking spot. So if you just don't want to hear us do a show but you simply want to pick up the shirt and hey these guys are going to get me free parking for the day uh then there is a a a section there for you as well 
Yeah, if you're a t-shirt fan or and you're a parking fan, but not so much a John Pollock and Wei Ting fan, then that's the option for you. I really love the aesthetic <laughs> of their logo. Their voice is not so much. I mean, we, we cater to everybody. It might be. It might exist. Uh, and also, $5 off of all these tickets if you're a Post Wrestling Cafe member. Yes. So. Um, so thank you to all of you that have purchased tickets thus far. They are available at postwrestling.com slash live. Mm-hmm. Go check that out. Tickets on sale now uh, in all those uh, tiers as well. So. Looking forward to it on WrestleMania Day. I think it'll be great. It'll be a lot of fun. It's always fun to see. Like we 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 are already seeing a, a number of people purchase tickets. We're able we're able to see where they're buying tickets from. So it'll be a, a big international group. We see you, Montana. <laughs> yes, <laughs> big big fandom there. So yeah, um, man, we could uh, we can start in uh, many different directions. But you know what? I know that we're going to get into so many different topics on this show that I do not want to. Uh, skip over this one okay okay this is an mma story but it it does tie in okay this was just the most bizarre headline that i mean just totally grabbed me in i don't know how familiar you are with josh fabia who is the cornerman that's received a lot of criticism for his work with diego sanchez this guy has gone on all these different shows over the last few days and it's been um quite the um quite the promotional tour for for this guy um so today mma junkie has a story Josh Fabia warned Nevada Athletic Commission prior to UFC 239, which was last summer, that Diego Sanchez might kill Michael Chiesa, who was his opponent that night. Now, this was not, uh, I'm going to kill you inside of the cage. Sanchez is, this is from the MMA junkie story from John Morgan. Sanchez's current manager and trainer, who has served as his lone cornerman in each of his past two UFC appearances, said that the attending referee needed to be warned ahead of time that Chiesa was in danger of being killed in the octagon. Fabia told commission officials that he and Sanchez had been working on a choke so brutal that if he was to apply it to his opponent, the bout should be waved off immediately as to prevent Chiesa from either death or paralysis. Now, I'll finish here. Fabio was asked to demonstrate the move, which was described to MMA Junkie as a technique that started as a standing guillotine choke, but then would see Sanchez rotate his shoulders so that his opponent's head was placed above his shoulder before slamming down to the floor and breaking his foe's neck. Described in practice as something akin to the professional wrestling move known as the Stone Cold Stunner. (laughs) Oh, really? Oh, my God. I have to see this. Dude, MMA just never lets me down. (laughs) (laughs) I, I seriously like was working this out in my head to see how this I, I can't I can't get over in my head how like especially an experienced grappler could be succumbing to this guillotine and then you're effectively holding on to the choke while also giving up your back. I, I have to I would have to see this, see this in practice. I'll, like the idea of I think <laughs> warning the commission that if a if a hold were to be applied um you know, it, it, could it very much has death. like a 1970s karate film yeah. death touch Bin vibe Mac. to this story here. Yeah. This, this, it, this, it, they're read like a story out of like 1985. Um, it makes me, first of all, really want to see this move. But secondly, is it, would you say it's, it's not, it, isn't he just being responsible? You know, if, if in fact the move is in this potential. Oh, in his mind, I'm sure he believed this. Absolutely. Some moves should be banned in MMA. There's, yeah. there's absolutely. I mean, when when I was training, like what professional wrestling fans would know as like a dragon sleeper, absolutely, you cannot do that because mm-hmm. of the the neck day. Like you could you could break someone's neck with that with the force. There's absolutely moves you should not be doing. Yes, 
But anyway, that was. I just wow. wanted to work this story in somewhere. I know okay. it's like the first thing that we're uh, we're talking about here, but I just wanted to get that in there because uh, mainly for your reaction to that. I, one. I, I, the Stone Cold Stunner. I don't want to hear anyone talk about believability after all these years. Maybe Dwayne Johnson was underselling the effects of that. Movie. You know, I would say I'm surprised, but but, but the fact that the story is, is attached to Diego Sanchez doesn't really make it that surprising. There is an interview uh, that Ariel Hawani did with Diego and Josh Fabia um, this week. It has to be heard. Ariel goes toe to toe with Josh Fabia. Like okay. Josh Fabia is really trying to just push like his side of things. Ariel was having none of it. It wow. was like they were very confrontational at points. Um, and it was uh, anyway. If you have fifty minutes free, it's um, quite the uh, discussion. Where, where do you stand on on the whole controversy surrounding his fight? I mean, in so here, here's let's the deal. catch people at the speed. So on Saturday, Diego Sanchez was fighting uh, Michel Pereira, and Pereira is ahead of this fight going into the third round. And in the third, Diego takes a clear, a legal knee from Pereira, and he suffered a really bad cut. And referee Jason Herzog came to Sanchez and said, do you want to continue? And Sanchez was asking, like, what would happen if I can't continue? Can I speak to my corner? Herzog can't answer those questions, and he couldn't let him speak to his corner. So Sanchez said that, you know, I'm not seeing properly and i can't continue so he won the fight by disqualification and i uh, people can talk about like gaming the system whatever you have to understand diego's in this point where that's my problem is mainly with the ufc bonus structure diego sanchez made a hundred thousand dollar decision had he continued this fight he's behind on the scorecards and he has to know that and by not continuing he Ends up winning this fight by DQ, and he made over a. He, we don't know what the purse was for for Saturday, but his last fight at for Michael Chiesa was 103 and 103, mm-hmm. and I think that's a bigger problem that we do not need this incentive for these guys to go out and fight hard. That is just you're crazy if you're thinking fighters are not trying at this intense level that we can just have a standard purse that you're making regardless. That you know you're going to run into situations like this. I I really have no issue with what. Diego did and I think he he acknowledged he made a he made a smart decision and he it was a nasty cut that he had. Yeah, I, I hearing the story I have no issue either. Um I think it's really the fault of the other person for delivering the illegal he blow. Del- you were up two rounds and you delivered an illegal knee. That's on you. Mm-hmm. And you have to bear the consequences of a, an illegal strike could end the fight prematurely. And mm-hmm. it ruined the fight for Pereira, who, I mean, he loses out on his win bonus because of that. Let's say Diego went back into the fight, got knocked out, or just simply even lost on points, took more damage and lost, you know, that. I mean, yes, it, it is a bit more noble, I suppose you could say, but I think it, it's, I would, I would think it would be stupid. No, no, noble doesn't really. Noble will get you a cup of coffee. <laughs> Do, would it even? Does Starbucks take nobility points? I'm saying that's where you got your coffee, isn't it? Oh, oh <laughs> no, uh, it's not. It's oh, place. I thought <laughs> that's the coffee shop that way usually goes to. Um, what else do we have? Um, so Ryan Satin had a report that uh, Samoa Joe suffered another injury. This was during a commercial shoot, and I guess that explains why he was off of Raw on Monday. This guy has just had a rash of bad luck from the time he came up on the main roster. It's just unfortunate, and it sounds mm-hmm. like this could keep him out for some time, potentially. That would just be awful if this this is the worst time of the year to get hurt. Certainly, certainly. And he's just coming off like the, the previous concussion just no. a few weeks ago. And before that, 
was out even way longer than that due to the the arm. So, I mean, just a string of bad luck and um, the worst part, I think, you know, obviously like missing out WrestleMania, but also I, I, I am also concerned about perhaps what somebody like Vince McMahon would or how this would affect his opinion of him using somebody who at this point might be considered to be injury prone, you know, uh, maybe a bit, being a bit more reluctant to put him into that major spot. It said here in the story, um, this is again, pro wrestling sheet story that he was at a WWE commercial shoot last week and Joe hit his head during a bad table break as they were filming a stunt. And man, I, I, I don't know how I feel about like wrestlers having to do their own stunts in a, a commercial setting too. I mean, it brings up that like, granted, this is just a big amount of just bad luck. Um, yeah. I don't know how preventive some of these things are, but we don't know what the stunt was. It could have been as simple as, you know, a typical move that he does could have been a hip toss. Like we, we, we don't really know. It, it's, it's, it's kind of vague what the actual injury, like what, what it was uh, caused from. Um, hopefully he can make a, a recovery yeah. quick enough Seriously. because, you know, he's in the midst of like a, semi big angle on, on raw in that whole mix with, with Rollins and Owens and the Viking Raiders. And mm-hmm. I mean that, that whole um, program at the moment, I think it needs, it needs to climax somewhere. Um, if there, if there's, you know, a silver lining to any of this is that Joe has proven himself to be an excellent color commentator. If this time off means that he can devote more time to, to developing that skill as yeah, a broadcaster, it, it might not be, you know, a completely terrible thing, but obviously we all want to want to see him in the ring. Yeah, he no. could he could um easily um just be transitioned in on Raw. I know you just put Byron Saxton there. He could go there. I, I would love even the mix up like Nigel to me is at a point he could be on any show right mm-hmm. now and yep. it would give Moro and Joe I think would work with Beth in there as well. That could be a sure. really fun team as well. Yeah. There there's a lot you can do with Joe while he's on uh the sidelines. Um we're hopefully going to be getting the ratings today for AEW and NXT. I don't know. Because of the holiday, everything gets delayed a bit. So hopefully we'll get the numbers. Um, one big factor is that last night's insane Democratic debate, which you want to see promos. I mean, these were uh, these were something else. 19.7 million people watched the debate. So you would think that that's going to have an effect on Wednesday night programming. So Very we'll likely. see. But um Pretty outstanding episode of uh, AEW Dynamite. Yeah, they're and on such a roll right now. We can talk about it a bit more later. I would say NXT came out with a relatively flat show. I was yep. pretty underwhelmed with the show. I thought a very disappointing main event. And I feel much more... Last week, I was more on the fence about this Velveteen Dream, Roderick Strong angle. I think it's really just mm-hmm. not good at I this agree. point. It's just very flat. Velveteen Dream, just that that one spot where he was coming off the ropes and just like ran into strong who was just just looked very bad at times it's unfortunate in that i think the match didn't necessarily save what was already a pretty questionable angle um i find it pretty unusual that we would criticize an nxt angle maybe to this extent especially involving roderick strong or velveteen dream but this was i think just completely off the mark with doing the uh threatening of the family uh for a baby face I, I, I feel like in, in some ways, I, perhaps the idea is to try to make him a cool, edgy baby face, but this was not the type of edge that I think worked at all. I think it's like somehow turning Roderick strong, like yeah. you're rooting for this guy. It's like yeah. he's fighting on behalf of his family of course. against this guy who's trying to like wreck his home life. Yeah. I mean, I don't have any sympathy for the Velveteen Dream. They haven't really explained it as much. They haven't really given Roddy. I think that yeah, there's no justification really for any baby face to be doing this to a heel. Yeah. Um. NXT, I mean, they had a decent match with Riddle and Dunn against Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch, but I wouldn't say it was 
at the level you would expect that match to be. I mean, it was it was shorter. What did you think about Jordan Devlin and Leo Rush? Again, they both shows started off with like 18-minute matches. Um, mm-hmm. How did you feel Devlin and Rush came across? I thought it was a good match. I think, you know, about as good as you would you would expect to see on NXT or a 205 Live. But, you know, I think what was really lacking was the emotional connection to either guy. You know, Leo Rush, we hadn't, haven't seen now in quite some time to just have him re-debut. A, a little bit cold, I would say, is how it felt. And Jordan Devlin, I think, is also somebody that is very unknown. You know, like... I don't know if many current like new viewers could really pick him out of the lineup between he and Travis Banks. You know, they it's just he's just a very generic face right now. They people we haven't most people haven't seen the Sean Ryan videos. They don't I was know. say that's what he needs. Seriously, no 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 joke. Like he needs storytelling. He needs, you know, video packages and, and a proper introduction to tell a new audience who exactly this guy is. Yeah. I would say down the stretch, like Leo Rush is really great in those closing minutes of of matches. I think that he's uh, really coming to his own being in um the NXT environment as well. And then we got the announcement of Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai. They're going to do in two weeks in a steel cage match. Looks like we're getting a rematch between Keith Lee and uh, Donovan Dijakovic. Do Dominic feel- Dijakovic. How do you feel about that? A rematch? I think it's too soon. I think they're going to wear that thing out really fast. I think they're just looking for you know attractions on television at the moment. It's- but it ceases to be an attraction. Uh, when you do it so often, I, th- I thought that they should probably move on after Sunday and yeah. and build up to the next time that they collide again. But it just seems they're taking the remnants of Takeover and well, they tease as well Bianca and Charlotte, which I mean mm-hmm. we had talked about. That makes a whole lot of sense to do on TV. Yeah, in in a couple of weeks and next week, Tommaso Ciampa and Austin Theory after Ciampa just made this guy look like an idiot. I wasn't a big fan of that either. You know, the framing of Tommaso Ciampa uh, and uh, Braden and Davey go a bit more into de- detail about this. But I felt very much the same way as like, you know, one of the Drew McIntyre attacks several weeks back where he just for for a little reason, like almost came across like a bully, you know, taking out Mojo Raleigh in such a, I don't know, strong, I would say, kind of unwarranted fashion. And I felt the same way about Tommaso Ciampa attacking poor Austin Theory here for a little reason. Uh, they kept Finn Balor off the show. He's going to be back next week. It'll be interesting to see what they do if they go with Balor and Adam Cole for TakeOver in Tampa or because I can't imagine NXT UK TakeOver in Dublin without Finn Balor having a big presence on that show. Oh, certainly not. Yeah. Um, isn't he already announced for several uh, UK He's He's events? doing the, the tapings uh, not um, first weekend of March. So, so that, you, that would seem to set up something for t- TakeOver. So the question is, who's his opponent? Is it... Is it Walter or is it not? Yeah, that would probably be the match to do. Are you going to do just a special attraction, like kind of uh, unattached to current stories? No, well, he could challenge for the belt. You know, and it's up to them to create that story leading up to the match. I, I know Ballard could come out and take over with the title. I mean, I think, you know, the, the two main uh, prospects going into that show that you would want to feature are Jordan Devlin and Finn Balor. Uh, Devlin Walter, I think, is a match that uh, Devlin certainly wants. He's he said that himself on Twitter. Is he a big enough name right now to a, a, an NXT WWE audience to, to have that slot? Uh, or do you save that match for further down the line when you've actually built his name up a little bit higher and you could tell that story a little bit better? For the time being, Finn Balor versus Walter is a special attraction, you know, first time ever match. As far as I know, uh, they might have wrestled way back, but uh, at least in the WWE, the first time ever, I think will attract a number of eyeballs, NXT UK or main roster audience. 
Finn Balor's open challenge to David Starr to come to take over. <laughs> Probably not happening. Probably not. Um, so anyway, those are uh, some thoughts on NXT from Wednesday night. We can uh, discuss further, but I, I thought this was a pretty solid uh, show quality-wise. Uh, this was one of the best Dynamites they, they've put out. It just a lot of praise for that episode and yeah. the promo afterwards by Cody that did not air. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen it myself, but they're really firing on all cylinders, you know, when it comes to, to the main programs he, he, heading into Revolution. So uh, let's see if they can keep that run going. All right. At this time, uh, we are joined by our special guest. She is the co-founder of the Bell to Bells website. You've also seen some of her work uh, at Fightful, Pro Wrestling Sheet. She also does work for Wrestling Inc. It's a pleasure to have Kristen Ashley on the program here on the Cafe Hangout. Kristen, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, we're doing fantastic. Uh, I want to thank you ahead of time because I think we got a future slogan out of this show. Uh, the Cafe Hangout worth miss- missing lunch over. <laughs> you are welcome. <laughs> it is. It's worth missing lunch over. Absolutely. All right. Well, hopefully 15 minutes from now we are in that slogan. So uh, here, here's hoping. <laughs> yes. Uh, I wanted to start off just chatting a, a bit about the, the launch of the website. Uh, for those out there that are curious, tell us a bit about uh, where you were at the stage of your career uh, launching this, this site and kind of what the, what the kind of mission statement was at the beginning and how the site has grown. Sure. Uh, well, you know, I left, I had actually just left uh, Diva Dirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was the editor in chief of Diva Dirt last year. Um, decided to leave in April, just over, <laughs> I'm spare you the details, but creative differences. Um, you know, what I thought might be news and in my passion and what I wanted to do with the website was not aligning with the owners. And so um, I decided to leave on my own. Now, I'm lucky enough to have some staff that decided to come with me as well. And and we really just wanted to pull pull the, the string a little bit away from, you know, oh, everything has to be mainstream and WWE and, and views and clicks. And knowing that we were not getting paid for any of this, what do we want to put out there as women's wrestling news? And so you'll see a lot of indie stuff. Um, and that's really us trying to embolden women's wrestling from the ground up. How would you assess the landscape as a whole in terms of like coverage towards women's wrestling and how it it's changed and evolved just in the past I would say 12 to 18 months from your observations I think I mean it's evolved a lot um you know again there's been a lot of a lot of shift from that mainstream WWE NXT the women that everybody seems to know to to now the the more um indie stuff I I think it's I, I see a lot of coverage out there Unfortunately, I don't see a lot of women covering it out there. Um, that's really where I think we still need to to uh, grow. It's just the type of coverage, the diversity that we have. Um, but women's coverage in general, I see it's improved leaps and bounds, especially in the last couple of years. It's, it's done great. Would you say right now that there's you know more of an opening um, for female voices talking about um, wrestling in general or for everybody just to be talking about women's wrestling in general? What exactly is, is sort of like a bell to bells leaning more towards? Well, I, I mean, our goal is equality across the board. So, you know, for instance, there's a, a guy that I, who used to be my editor who kind of likes to self-deprecate and he doesn't ever seem to think that he is good enough to cover women's wrestling because he's a man. And I say, I say, no, what are you talking about? No one's ever stopped me from covering men's wrestling. So I want everyone to be able to cover whatever they want to cover. 
and that everything gets, you know, equal shine and, and support and love, you know, based on realistic factors. But, you know, I, I think as a whole, we need more diversity in all areas and not just women, you know, people of color, um, all sorts of stuff. But, but realistically, I think, you know, that's where we need the most help is the people who are covering it. Um, you know, I see a lot of the same types of people covering news and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but you want to get different point of views for sure. Yeah. I think that we're, we're seeing more and more of that, that just trying to get, um, that kind of diversity out there. And I think that it's, there's still a long road to go in, in terms of that. Are, are you hearing from a lot of your readers that are, are seeking more, more female voices out there as well? And what, what do you think is the next step to, to, to finding more representation when it comes to those that are reporting on the news and, and in these positions to be covering the industry? Sure. Um, I hear from everybody all the time that they want more women's voices. I mean, not just my readers, but people on Twitter, people um, who are readers of other sites. I see it all the time. And so what we need now is follow through. Mm-hmm. We need the people at the top of these sites to actually follow through with, you know, not just saying, oh, yeah, I totally believe that women can be journalists or I totally believe that there should be diversity on the staff, then do it. <laughs> and I understand that there's, you know, it's it's equal experience, right? They have, in, if, if all things are equal sort of thing. I understand that completely. I mean, I, I'm not saying go and hire a woman just because she's a woman. We don't want that either. But I know from experience that there's a ton of women out there who are so gifted and talented in so many different mediums and they're just begging to be a writer and to have a staff position right now is like it's super impossible to get a paid staff position i mean it's super hard there are very few positions on websites but i just want the guys at the top to just open their minds a little bit and and maybe do some of that recruiting because you know what i know from experience there are a lot of women who are not willing to put themselves out there because of sort of the hate that they get and the, the harassment. And, and so you may not know they exist because they like to kind of live in the shadow. Um, so those guys go and do that recruitment, go be that voice and, and follow through with what you say you're going to do. Would you care to elaborate on that? I mean, obviously John and I, we, we, we aren't privy exactly to what some of that harassment or criticism might be simply as, you know, uh, being a fan, but what, 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 what sort of like, what sort of, I, I guess, uh, I don't know, um, issues do feel, would you say a female wrestling fan might face if they were, were, were to speak up, uh, about their uh, particular opinion? Sure. Well, I mean, it's, it's a lot of the traditional sexism, right? That women are less than, and a lot of it is really low key. <laughs> it's so ingrained that sometimes you'll hear somebody say something and they don't realize that it's bad that they're saying it they have no comprehension that that that's bad like for instance i hear a lot of you know when we make criticisms about women's divisions and how women are not getting enough time on air they're not getting enough um investment into their wrestling and 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 all that stuff and i hear a lot from fans um say well just be patient it takes time well it didn't take time to hire an entire men's division and work on them right away. It didn't take time for them to get all that time on air. So, but they don't think that that's bad necessarily, but also they're just fans of a wrestling product. I understand that. But, you know, getting to the bottom of 
what would equality look like? What should it look like? And then and make you know making sure that we're really giving each other a fair amount of time. When you look at at the industry leader with WWE and over the past two years, like we we have certainly seen um, how far they have gone with their with their with their women's divisions, and you know last year with with the rise of Becky Lynch with Ronda Rousey, and at the same time they entered this deal with Saudi Arabia, and it really brought into the spotlight kind of at loggerheads. What are this these companies? corporate responsibilities versus their moral and ethical ones, which I think that deal kind of paints a picture of, of putting them into um, th- this debate that people have had very fierce criticism of. How has that kind of evolved for you in terms of the WWE and where they stand right now in, in 2020 with their representation and the message that they're sending out that's going to be the loudest? I think, for, first off, I think the Saudi Arabia stuff is the loudest. I think the revolution, the evolution stuff has long gone. And I think I got, <laughs> I know that myself and a lot of women got really upset at the whole idea of WWE patting themselves on the back for this women's revolution. You know, like you guys used to treat women poorly. So you're to blame for it. I mean, you, we shouldn't be patting you on the back for doing something that you should be doing. Like, congrats. You know? Um, so, you know, I never really believed in a revolution. I believed in women getting their fair share and getting fairly treated. I think they got lucky with Becky Lynch because Becky Lynch is so talented and, and charismatic and they had the money to get people like Ronda Rousey. And that's the thing too is, you know, I haven't taken a lot of business courses or anything. Right. But, but the problem with WWE is that they are a business. They're a corporation. They're in it for the money. And sometimes the moves they make look at least like moves for money. Saudi Arabia, I, I don't personally, I don't know anybody in WWE, but I would highly doubt that that's something for womankind. I don't think this is them pursuing a women's first. I think that was them going, oh, hey, we should probably throw in a women's match for, you know, it's, it's, and it's money. It's money. Um, I think that there's a very, a very big difference between saying what you're going to, you know, saying that you are ethically responsible and then showing that you are, and they have a problem with meshing those two ideas together. And, um, I think, I think money gets in the way a lot of times and ethical, I don't, I don't know about moral. (laughs) I don't work there though. You know, (laughs) do you think those two things have to be exclusive? Do you think it's impossible for a company to both be financially profitable while trying to maintain uh, ethics? I think it would be hard. Um, I think it's probably easier for a corporation that's not so big. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what they're doing is they're selling people's talents. Like it's one thing if you're a corporation and you're selling shares, it might be a little bit easier, easier to be ethical in that situation, but this, they're selling people essentially. They're selling gimmicks. They're selling talents of athletes. So it's going to be really hard for them to mesh making a lot of money and being ethical and morally responsible. I think it's also a case that th- this is a company that has built up such a loyalty among its audience that are diehards that I think they believe that we can we will push through whatever controversy there is and we are going to maintain that core fan base and I think it really hit its peak or actually the opposite of that with everything after the Jamal Khashoggi death and pursuing that show in Saudi Arabia that they got through that and I think feeling like hey we, we are bulletproof that we will absorb whatever criticism, but we will 
soldier through. We can have our deal. We're going to maintain this fan base that at the end of the day are still going to stay with this product. And I think it does give them this kind of ability to just, you know, flaunt whatever and not feel consequences over it. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're they're the biggest wrestling promotion in the world. So and, and not you're right. They want to be a media corporation. So, of course, and they have all this money. Of course, they feel like they're touchless. And, and in some ways they are because they've been around for so long. But I eventually that mindset will be the end of them. I mean, it will. And that's just over time. <laughs> over time, trends are going to change. And that will eventually be the end if they continue on that mindset and don't grow and develop. Now, over on the side of things with All Elite Wrestling, um, we saw uh, Big Swole f- featured on this week's episode. And I know you guys just had uh, an interview with her up on your yeah. site. And uh, uh, give us your thoughts kind of on, on where AEW stands right now with where their women's division that has received a lot of criticism from the get-go. Where do you see things now? And also coming off of last night where it seems like we're getting a concerted direction now with Nyla Rose, with, uh, with Big Swole, and kind of moving forward here with the, the programs that they have set up? Sure. Um, well, so first off, Big Swole is amazing. And I, I think they ended the year um, last year very strong with, with the signings of Swole and, and Chris Statlander and, and Shauna, all of them. I think they they really grew in that sense. They, they heard the fans is what I'm thinking happened. Um, they say Kenny Omega has a lot of hands in with, with the women signing. i happen to know Emmy Sakura has a lot of hands in training with the women as does Dustin. And so the talent and the capabilities are there to build a really strong women's division. Sadie Gibbs has been MIA for a while. Turns out she's uh, in a training school in Georgia, which is, perfect i mean it it means they're investing in their women and at the media call there were some things that cody had said because i I specifically asked him you know that where was the women's vision going because um you know nyla rose her win it marks a very important time in history for for wrestling and i think now is when we should be watching you know the first year it's the first year you know you have to take everything they do with a grain of salt but now that we've seen some progress, now we need to see how how they pers- how pr- pursue that progress, and right. and and so now we have to wait and see what they do next. Um, he said some things that were a little concerning for me, to be frank. Um, he had mentioned, you know, well, we know that women's wrestlers and women's wrestling does really good on merch and ticket sales, <laughs> so of course we're going to push them. Well, okay, <laughs> but that's. You know, yeah, yeah, okay. So that makes sense, I guess, from a business standpoint. But, you know, I'm asking as a journalist, how are you progressing women's wrestling? That's my job to ask that. Um, and so now we need to watch because this is, they're going to start to get comfy in their second year. Um, and now we get to see what they put their money and in, in effort into. An interesting um, point uh, in regards to AEW is, is uh, Kenny Omega has stated in the past that he really wants to introduce intergender wrestling. And uh, mm-hmm. on the cruise, there's a, a, a match that they did uh, with he and, and Riho against uh, Penelope Cruz and uh, uh, Kip Sabian. Uh, and they explained that this was not something that is typically allowed in AEW. And because they're in international waters, we can get away with it, uh, <laughs> which I guess, you know, bring, brings up the question about um, – that you know this is still a very controversial concept uh tony khan has said he doesn't want to do it for tnt where do you stand on it 
And, um, you know, do you agree with, with some of the criticisms? I, I happen to love intergender wrestling because I see it for what it is. Um, I, I mean, K, kayfabe has died a long time. So I, I see it what it is and I happen to like it and I've seen really good matches. I mean, come on. There are a lot of women in wrestling who could easily take it to any guy out there. I mean, really, it's like it's stupid to think that it couldn't work. Now, I can understand from a television point of view um, how maybe they don't want to do it in a certain way. That can be understood because um, there are a lot of kids. And so being able to kind of control the environment that the viewer is in. But if you do it right, and I've heard people like Brian Cage in interviews say this, um, you know, if you do it right and they're of similar size, what's the problem? You know, um, I've seen really good matches with Mercedes Martinez with Tessa Blanchard, with Jordan Grace, with Taya Valkyrie. I've seen really good matches, and there's no reason why any one of those women would be able to just kill it in the ring. Um, you know, I'm, I remember when they were first doing interviews for AEW, and I had a chance to interview Brandy Rhodes for Diva Dirt, and I asked her about that. You know, what was their plans with intergender, if any? And she said that they, at the time, that they weren't necessarily calling it off, but that they wanted to focus on other things first. And as a new promotion, of course, you want to build a strong foundation and then go from there. I think they can do that now. I don't see why they couldn't. Um, Kenny Omega has a lot of working history with a lot of the female in Japan, those females in Japan. And so why not? Why not build something? Um, I, th- I think AEW is in a really good spot to kind of push forward the future of, of women's wrestling and wrestling in general if they use it. Uh, a number of months ago, um, for, for Fightful, you wrote this uh, really great piece um, about women wrestlers on the effects of sexualization of female athletes. Uh, several months removed from that. Uh, just tell me a bit about uh, your thoughts on kind of where we stand r- regarding that as well. And not to just kind of blanket every female in terms of one certain representation, but is, is that still um, at its core a, a problem in, in the industry as a whole? I think that'll always be a problem because um, it's just we can't change every single attitude. I have no control over how people are raised. And that's not just men. That's women, too. You know, there are women who sexualize men. Um, I I have no control over that. But I think it's always going to be an issue that has to be addressed at the time it happens. So when these um, fans are grabbing at wrestlers and being really inappropriate, that's when you need to address it and and that's really where a lot of the women what, that I interviewed had said there was an issue. But also there's an issue of just expectations from promoters. So, you know, especially on the indie circuit, you have to look a certain way or um, dress a certain way or uh, you have to wear this gear or um, you have to – It's and WWE, right? There's a certain aesthetic to their women's wrestlers. Um, I think it's changing, though. Uh, you see Rhea Ripley. You see Shayna Baszler on TV. Uh, you see Chris Statlander, Big Swole. You see a lot of women who don't fit the traditional mold. Right. And especially, especially in the Indies. I mean, especially. Um, she's sort of not super well-known, but if you follow Pro Wrestling Eve or some of the, the UK promotions, Sky Smithson is one of those who just has a very unique look, kind of like Shayna Baszler. And um, I feel like they're getting away from it now. 
and and the the women at top on top are more like a Becky Lynch and a Rhea Ripley than they are, you know, in the past was very model like. So I, I think it's getting better. It's just, you know, now we have to focus on the attitudes and and how they treat each other rather than the looks because it's very subtle some of these effects. Yeah, it seems like, especially being pro wrestling, that it's going to be a slow one because it's always that default that you'll hear from people that, oh, it's just professional wrestling. Like, this is just, this is how it's always been. And I think when you have that attachment to bygone eras, that's what people cling to. And I think that that's hopefully something that is moving forward at the the pace of the real world where I I think pro wrestling is, it's still very behind in that sense. Absolutely. Yep, I agree. Uh, well, Kristen, uh, I want to thank you so much uh, for, for coming on the show. I really hope we can do this again, but uh, please let our listeners know where they can follow uh, all of your work and uh, your great team at uh, Bell to Bells. Thank you, and I really enjoy it. Thanks for having me on. Um, of course, all your women's wrestling news, go to belltobells.com. You can find me at Kristen Ashley on Twitter. Um, I'm everywhere. <laughs> you can follow me, follow Wrestling Inc. on Wednesday nights for NXT. I'll be tweeting out some of that stuff, and and basically, whoever allows me to write an article for their site, you can find me there as well. Awesome stuff. You're, you're doing fantastic work, Kristen. And uh, thanks so much for, uh, for taking some time out to speak with us today. Thank you for having me. Have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you so much, Kristen. Take Thank care. Thank you. All right. And once again, uh, you can go to uh, belltobells.com, B-E-L-L-T-O-B-E-L-L-E-S.com. Uh, a great site following uh, the entire women's scene and and everything uh, out there in regards to the uh, the the women's industry out there that's uh, growing and growing. So it was great to have Kristen on. Certainly. Absolutely. Happy to have her. Uh, hopefully have her on again very soon. So we will be opening up the phone lines if anyone wants to uh, get in and chat with us. Once again, those magic digits, 732-800-4423, or you can search for Post Wrestling on Skype. Uh, I believe we have calls coming in now. So let us... Uh, Open up the phone gauntlet. We go to the phone line now. I see now. a familiar image. Hansi, you're on the air. What's up? Yo, what's going on, guys? I uh, I really enjoyed that interview, so it was pretty fucking cool. Um, I just I, I, I wanted to uh, talk about um, the uh, the ruthless aggression era documentary. Oh God, I, why are you doing this to me, Hansi? I'm I'm sorry. I know. no, because you because know, I I know um I I disagree with you on Twitter on one thing, but okay. for the most part, I, I I agreed with you on 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 the the, the revisionist history of like why they didn't they didn't bring up the panda and all that type of stuff. You know what I mean? So well, I go ahead and d- really... disagree. Disagree. It's more fun. Okay, disagree. I listen. I, I'm always gonna be of the of the of the guy. Like I, I'm always gonna be of that nature that. I can take Vince McMahon's side on some things in, in a sense that I knew I can see what he was trying to do with the whole Austin and Brock Lesnar thing. And I understand like okay, I understand Austin's perspective is that, OK, why would you give away this match free first time meeting and all that? But throughout the history of WWE, there has been times when like before they go to a big feud, even before this Brock Lesnar, Steve Austin thing, they would do a throwaway match. And it would make you kind of go, oh, okay, we'll we'll see that match later on. Because the thing is, is Austin was feuding with Eddie Guerrero. 
So like there was an out to like at least like get Brock Lesnar to beat him in that King of the Ring qualifying match, and you could have revisited it later on. Like I understand what Austin's like, you know, what Austin's like complaint was. I, I understand it completely, but I could also see Vince McMahon's side of it, uh, unfortunately, as well, because I just didn't think that it was that big of a deal that Brock Lesnar and Steve Austin would face off in like uh, a, a like a teaser of a match before you get to the real feud, if that makes any sense. It's like, I, I do believe though that match, if you throw out that bite, this interview, I don't think that match is happening. I think it was very much, this is a, this is our public punishment for our top guy, or at least uh, at that time. Yeah. That's probably how he perceived it. And I think that's how he took it. And it was a match that ultimately you lost out on Austin for, you know, the remainder of the year at that point. So you have to look That's back true. that it was a decision that greatly backfired. I'm not justifying Steve Austin walking out on them over it, but that's what happened. So I think the person making the call to kind of break, be the straw that broke the camel's back, uh, you have to look at that criticism. And that was not a match that was designed for any of the things you just outlined, Hansi, which to me is like building something. I think this was simply, this is us making a, an example out of a guy who spoke out of turn and we can't let that happen. So okay. no, no, fair enough. But before I go, I just wanted to. Uh, I you guys didn't touch upon it on your AEW review, and I I didn't I didn't notice it until somebody on Reddit brought it up. But when uh, when uh, when they atta- when the um, T Hawk or Shima attacked uh, um, the Dark Order, did you guys see who was sitting in the background uh, when the attack was going on? I, was I missed Raven. it when I was watching it, but yeah, Raven was there. Yeah, yeah, that's, I, that's all I wanted to say. I, I, I enjoy you guys' work, but I didn't really have too much important thing to talk about. But I figure since me and you, uh, since I disagree with you on Twitter about the ruthless aggression part, I just wanted to call in about that. So, I, again, like, you know what I mean? I, I, I didn't, I didn't want to, like, I hope you weren't thinking I was being an asshole on Twitter by and countering. Hansi, Hansi, I, Hansi. Hansi, you're always valuable. Whenever <laughs> whenever words come out of your mouth, we, we always value your opinions. We so. welcome dissenting uh, opinions all the time. Don't be afraid to, to call I, in. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Take it easy, guys. Thank All right. you so much. Thanks. Yeah, uh, I totally missed it watching the show that Raven was there. I really don't. I, I think that was just a red herring that they were in Atlanta. Let's use Raven as j- just. I, I think they want to throw out different Easter egg. Exactly. That's yeah. that's all it was. I wouldn't imagine that he would be. Um, it's fun though. It's a it's a fun little Easter. It's egg smart. That, it's that smart to obvious do. Obvious that get that engages the audience to talk about it. Um, like probably a guy was just he was there at the show. It's yeah. like let's. Let's not waste this. He's here. Let's like a Where's Waldo. Use him. Yeah. Back to the phone lines. Caller in on the air. What's up? Hey, what's up, guys? This is Corey from Long Island. Hey, hey Corey. Corey. Hey. Uh, so first off, uh, that interview with Kristen was fantastic. Um, she was great. So well spoken mm-hmm. about just so many gripes that I've had with uh, WWE in regards to um, the, the way they treat their uh, women's wrestlers and just how um, – how it, it's it's like a top-down issue. It's not just it from like a booking perspective. It's it from a business perspective. So it's always great to kind of hear that talked about in a uh, in a more macro sense. But uh, the reason I'm calling is um, more because uh, I wanted to kind of get back to a topic that you guys discussed on Raw, and that was um, kind of uh, the fallout of uh, NXT Portland and. Um, the 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 thing you were alluding to in the discussion about NXT's um, quote unquote in house style, 
So mm-hmm. um, for context, I'm, I don't want to say I'm a burnt out wrestling fan, but at the end of the day, that's sort of what I am. I watch, I, I don't watch any NXT at this point. I don't watch main roster stuff. I watch AEW maybe twice a month. I mostly just watch like GCW death matches. Mm. Um, and um, I, 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 w- I was watching uh, Portland on Sunday. A couple of my friends came over. They wanted to watch it. So I thought, oh, you know what? I hadn't seen a takeover in a while. Um, it was painful for me. It was absolutely painful. I, uh, hmm. that, that, uh, that Johnny Gargano Finn Balor match, it, it went what almost 30 minutes and it felt like 20 years for me. Um, there's, there's beauty in brevity. There's it, less is certainly more. And I think that in the case of these, these takeover events, I find that especially at, your highest level, um, you, you're kind of getting into like, at the point of like peak excess. Um, I, I find that it, it gets a little formulaic. I find that it, 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 it's just, and I remember uh, the British Wrestling Experience talked about this after, um, oh no, I'm, I'm, it, whatever the, um, whatever that NXT UK pay-per-view was it was one of the first cardiff? takeovers they did at cardiff it was it it was the one where it was um pete dunn the one Coffey. where walter came out at the end yeah, yeah okay. last january yes last january and they were talking about already about how um wwe were really trying to kind of they essentially created a caricature of um epic big matches and if i and that was when the boilerplate really reached its peak Mm -hmm. and it's it's still chugged along since then and for me it's had a trickle down effect where it it just gets painful and um to be fair did did they create it or did they simply adopt it from other places oh it's they they adopted they they adopted it and created a caricature out of it in my opinion i think that it is a, a straight up like pastiche it is an imitation of of something else. And, and to be fair, to be fair to, to, it, it's not just a WWE thing. It's it, it, because WWE is the most watched product that has a trickle down effect onto your independent scene into your, you know, more like second tier as well of, of wrestling companies. It's top to bottom. And I can well, only hope that even um, new Japan, I mean, uh, as recent as that Okada Taichi match, oh, yeah. I mean, we've been hearing uh, similar criticism. About just a very similar formulaic, you know, multi kickout, thirty minute length that uh, people, I think, overall now have have kind of started to see through and have kind of gotten bored of. Oh, ab- absolutely! And what's in, what I find the most interesting about people associating that with New Japan is that the, some of those old New Japan matches, they they cap out at like twelve minutes, like some of the, the bigger matches because that was the Inoki philosophy was make it as realistic as possible. And a realistic fight might not go more than 10 minutes. I, um, I definitely feel, really, and oh, yeah. I, I even thought it t- like watching today's new Japan show for, from Corkin. I mean, we had the, the junior heavyweight tag title match that went 27 minutes and that's, that's your, that's not even your main event. Um, so I certainly feel like there is this, this feeling at the moment that our big matches have to be these long drawn out affairs. And you can certainly do those in the right circumstance, but once that becomes the norm, 
it's raising the bar very high that I mean, in that tag title match today, by the 23 minute mark, I'm just I'm kind of zoning out at this point that it's just we are just watching one sequence lead to the other that it's like we are just piling on minutes now before we can go to a finish. Um, I'm going to respectfully disagree about like this past takeover. Like I really love that show on Sunday. Mm. I do. I do see the criticism um, that the main event has gotten to a degree. I really enjoyed Balor and Gargano. I thought that that was like a, a a different style of match from, from those two as compared to the main event. Lee and Dijakovic. I think that's, it's ultimately, this is what you're battling at this moment is fan expectation and this formula that many are coming and they want the formula or they want to see these lengthy matches. And I think it's almost this chicken and the egg problem at the time that I, I think they could greatly, they could, it could be valuable to just throw off the rhythm and, and do a shorter main event and re-educate people that a finish can come it can come at the 16 minute mark. It doesn't always have to be 30 plus minutes. And that can go for several companies at the moment to uh, change things up a bit. I think much of it depends on on your personal engagement with the actual product and the actual storyline itself. I mean, you're telling me that that you might be somebody who might be dipping in and out from NXT and just simply watching a match for the sake of it um, being a technical wrestling or in-ring product. And that, I think, you know, will definitely test you when you're being presented with a 30 minute thing with multiple kickouts conversely if you're somebody who's very in tune with this you know gargano Bal- uh, balor storyline or or cole versus champa um having a te- five ten minute match might be too short so uh i think that has something to do do with it you you know very briefly because because we're running a bit long you mentioned that you've been watching gcw death matches why what, what do you find in in that product that you you aren't getting elsewhere um uh, I think, uh, well, the first thing is uh, with death matches, they can go long. Uh, and I realize that, but also there's a certain degree of um, ultraviolet pain going on. Um, the, the thing with death matches, I find, is just it's sensory overload. Um, you Things just happen in rapid succession. You you kind of talked about it in your uh, review of uh, Joey Janela's Spring Break 3, mm-hmm. Decada, uh, Jimmy Lloyd match. It's like almost synesthesia mm-hmm. i was third row on that at that show you know i was there for takeda and it it's just it is carnal it's primal and it it it's so immediate mm-hmm. and it's that dopamine rush of just watching just pure unbridled violence that kind of gets you through what could be a very long match or a very short match, depending, you know, it could be a BJW main event or it could be, you know, a, a six man like scramble that goes more than 10 minutes. But I, I do find that rapid succession of violence certainly helps. But uh, anyway, thank you for entertaining this conversation. You guys have a wonderful day. You too, Corey. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Very eloquently uh, put. Uh, Game carnal very, wrestling. Maybe that should be their like, rebranding. Yeah, uh, he's absolutely right. There's something very unique about you know that, and and I I totally understand where he's coming from because I think so much of wrestling looks so much the same now that something like a spring break, like look at what what we're most excited for at WrestleMania weekend. It's the shows that are different. It's the promise that we're going to to see something in a wrestling ring that'll look different from what we see every single week on TV. Uh, and I, I do hope like in the in the new year, the, the trend is for brands to be original. Look at NWA Power. Six minute matches. You know, it, it's an appeal it to people today that, the, you know, it's it's promo heavy and the matches are, are short. And that is 
the question is, are there enough people that are seeking that that are burnt out on this stuff? Mm-hmm. Or are there those that are just they're watching the occasional shows and promotions are always going to have the concern that we don't want to under deliver and that if we put a main event out there, the fans want that 30 minute epic at the end of the night. And that was when I would always go back to different MMA cards where it would be these 18 fight cards for some of these local shows. And I was like, no one is leaving a card and saying, man, I wish there were more fights at the end of it. Most people that go to a wrestling show, an MMA card, it's like, man, you get three hours of entertainment. You're probably pretty happy. And I think the same if you were to get an 18-minute main event versus a 35-minute minute main event. Yeah. 18, though, is the would you say is the barrier? Because what if that, that number was six minutes? It's know? all in how it's executed. Like, look at, look at uh, Shinsuke Nakamura and Kazushi Sakuraba. Your match of the year that year in 2013. Yeah, how long was it? That was sub 10. Oh, that was under 10. And it was, it was a very spectacular match. Like but... t- to me, length of match, like a number does not it does not equal good versus bad. It's how it's executed. There are there are matches that have been 35 minutes that are phenomenal. There's been 60 minute matches that have been phenomenal. But at the same sense, when everybody is going for those 30 plus main events, well, then my expectation is that much higher because I've seen unbelievable 35 minute matches if you're asking me to invest that kind of time, that's my expectation level is raised once the, my investment is at such a high amount of time. How much of it do you think you know is 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 shaped by I think what we've all started to adopt as sort of like a universal rating system out of you know like uh, five stars or however many stars out of ten or whatever have you? Um, I would say. <laughs> The expectation right now is that in order for something to achieve a very high four, four and a half plus level, it needs to be a certain length. You know, a six, seven minute match for a lot of people will automatically be rated a lot less than something, let's say, you know, an hour, 30 minutes long if it's substantial. I mean, ratings aside, I've never gotten too invested into that. But I mean, what would you call that tag title match we saw Wednesday night? There's years that that. That's your match of the year. You know what yeah, I mean? Sure. And that's going to be... God knows if that'll be in the top 70 matches this year. That's mm-hmm. how crazy things are. That match last night was absolutely spectacular. And we're talking about it like it was... Yeah, that was really good. That was an unbelievable tag title match. I'll that pro- would be match of the year I'll most in some years of the it. past 20 years. Yeah. Um, And it was what? Time-wise, 18? I think they had one commercial break in there? Something uh, like that. Yeah. I, I don't think you, it, time necessarily means that it has to be... Certainly, there is that expectation level. Not all that different from, you know, there's not a lot of, like, in MMA, fight of the year that are first-round TKO finishes. It's typically, it's Mm -hmm. a five-round war that are often what you're going to be looking at, or a three-round fight. That duration sometimes is um, connected to quality, but that's not always the case. I'd say it's it's definitely harder to go out and have a match of the year in eight minutes. It's not going to happen too often. I suppose bringing it back to you know NXT and, and Takeover in itself, I, I I feel like this past week's conversation really has kind of brought to light how perhaps how much they've relied on that format, and I really do feel like you know booking a few surprise finishes would really help the uh, kind of uh yeah make it a bit more unexpected and keep people on their on their toes a little bit more. Yeah, and what is there a correlation behind? Like, is there any less interest in Takeovers now? Is is there any is there any data that can suggest that this is a greater concern for them versus criticism of people that are still watching takeovers? Like that's what a company has to assess here. Is mm-hmm. this is this valid criticism that's having an impact on our show, or is there a greater hole that 
are loving these shows and that's who we are serving is ultimately the the majority it certainly is very split you know there are people that really loved it and i mean there are people like uh, uh our last caller who who apparently didn't but uh let's go back to the phone lines right now this person's been waiting a long time so thank you for your patience thank you man how oh are my you? god i should have kept this how does he always get hold. in jesus all right let me in <laughs> hey hey do you, have you been practicing any stone cold stunners brandon your problem man <laughs> <laughs> hey man i can't wait for spring break dude uh, brandon do you know how many do you, are, do you know how many people i i defend you against on a on a on a regular <laughs> basis i mean i'm i'm your biggest advocate i have no idea are you really uh, you, you can't be my uh, you, you my are answer? what we call in the industry polarizing that's what i'm gonna say are are you going to wrestlemania this year I, I'm, I'm damn right i am if yeah. if, if okay. you don't pull up a, your truck in front of the uh, Art Institute of Tampa on Sunday, April 5th. That, that is the biggest question. Oh, can we, can we do photo ops I, with you and your truck? We'll give you a free ticket, Brandon. You don't even have to pay for a ticket. We'll just, we just need you to make it apparent. Oh, you're having your own version of Firefest too. That's pretty awesome. That, that meet and greet dinner. <laughs> wow. Unbelievable. Damn. Okay, forget it. I take it back. This is going to be premium food. We're not talking about a slice of cheese on a piece of bread. Goodness. Now I'm excited for you guys. Yeah, I'm 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 definitely going. Uh, I I can't wait. I'll be at spring break. I got tickets for that. And, I'm not uh, going to see you once this weekend, am I? Probably not. Oh, you will. Come on, come on, John. Come on, Way. Come on. Don't be ridiculous. Okay, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be searching for you. The world will be. The whole city will be. What's on your mind? Uh, I I know you got. Uh, <laughs> we didn't get to it on my email. Like you told me to call on Thursday. I could tell Way was kind of kind of salty that night too because. Uh, uh, he, he didn't have any uh, internet connection yet at his crib, but uh, I understand that. But uh, <laughs> can we talk about Diego Sanchez as trainer? This guy's a whack job, man. We just talked about him, actually. Yeah, you've been listening the to the show. We spent the first yeah. 10 minutes talking about uh, Diego Sanchez and Josh I missed Fabian. It. I'm sorry, man. I, I, I'll listen to it later on today. Come but, on. Uh, yeah, that guy's crazy. I mean, that Luke Thomas interview, man. Uh, <laughs> I didn't hear the Luke Thomas one, but he did. He did interviews with uh, Ariel Hawani this week. He did an interview with Luke Thomas. He did an interview with Josh Gross. Uh, he was making the rounds this week. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't portail to a, a, a bright future for that guy getting clients the way he, uh, he was. He was talking. It's, it's, it's batshit crazy. Uh, I don't. I don't know what the end game is for him. <laughs> Is he some uh, snake oil salesman like Edo Porto, uh, uh, McGregor's old movement coach? But uh, I don't know. <laughs> are you are you watching the uh, the Tyson Fury Deontay Wilder fight this Saturday? Legally or illegally? I just said, are you watching it? I'm not. I'm not yes, trying I'm to watching. pry. <laughs> yes, I'm going to watch the the CBC feed of it. No, but no, I'm going to. I'm definitely. Yeah, I'll definitely watch. Uh, I think uh, Wilder might. Uh, Call it a night, early night for uh, Fury. What do you think about that? Uh, I, I'm picking Tyson Fury to win this fight. I, I think that he, he he's a slight underdog going into this, isn't he? Uh, I didn't look at the odds, but uh, it wouldn't shock me if he's uh, a slight dog in that fight. Yeah, it's, and plus, he, plus I, I'm more so curious of how how big this fight does in comparison to the first fights on ESPN Plus, which. Man, between Conor McGregor last month and now you're coming back with with this, uh, these could be uh, two huge uh, back-to-back months for uh, ESPN+. 
Didn't somebody say it's going to get over 4 million buys or something like that? Well, Bob Arum said that, which, I mean, <laughs> a, a very yeah, interesting story is that Bob Arum, um, he's open to selling top rank. He just did an interview wow. and he has said that among the people he has talked with about selling it outright are Endeavor, who are the owners of the UFC. Um, there was this other um, capital firm. And the third one he said he's talked to but could present logistics with their ESPN deal is DAZN to buy top rank but um, they believe this could go for comparable money to what the ufc was sold for um given the fighter contracts the property that they own in las vegas they don't have any debt on them um but it's really interesting bob arum it's not like the ufc sale talks where they denied it bob arum's being pretty open about the fact hey if if a great offer comes we everything is for sale and if top rank was sold that would be an enormous story in boxing does it does it include the fighters? It's not like the the when UFC bought Pride, it just bought a library. Right? It sounds like it would come with the contracts, yeah. So you know, your your Tyson Furies, Terrence Crawford's, like yeah, and you know they have like an enormous stable uh, of fighters there. So it sounds like the it, it would be everything. It wouldn't be a conflict of interest if ESPN bought them, right? Or would it? Um, not not so much a conflict of interest. I guess that would be tricky in the sense that you would be both promoter and um i i don't know how, how that would fall in i my assumption would be no well i hope endeavor buys it so i could put used to that zufa boxing shirt i have well that would be uh yeah top imagine that dana white and uh bob arum on a on a podium together partners in crime <laughs> with uh with ari emmanuel I mean, that could, that could be the future of combat sports right there. What a what an image that would be after all these years. All right, uh, and two more things real quick. Uh, I'll get out of here. They're really two quick. Two more. Okay. Jesus. Oh my I know. I'm being greedy. I'm sorry. Um, uh, Jeff Cobb. I mean, you were talking about hitting the Joel Romero I, at the Olympics. That wasn't really a match. <laughs> it was like 10 points really quick. Wow. I, 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 for, for who? Who won it? Oh, Romero. Romero. Oh, yeah, Romero. He, uh, t- t- in defense of Jeff Cobb, he was in a loaded block that year. In oh. his pool, uh, it was Yoel Romero, and then there was another wrestler who was, like, outstanding. Um, and then you had Jeff Cobb, who, I mean, this was 2004. We're going back 16 years ago when he was representing Guam. Um, but, yeah, it was... Mola uh, Wall was in that bracket, too. Was Mola Wall really? in that bracket? Yes, he was. I thought it was three of them. But, um, okay, well, there you go. Um... And that was the year Romero won, won silver. So it was... Um, yes, he lost to Saitias. Yeah. So it was... Uh, he lost. <laughs> anyway, that's... Uh, yeah. Je- but Jeff anyway, Cobb. Um, Jeff Cobb got mad at me at Twitter because I was, I, was, I was just having a random conversation about that about that match with oh, somebody. Dear. And I guess he I guess he vanity searched me and, and he, 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 took, he took conference with that. I totally signed I mean, with what? Jeff Cobb. I bet he was totally justified with whatever he said to you. <laughs> Did he block you? Nah, he didn't block me. Oh, then like, you can't be that upset. Come on. I was. I was. It was. It was. I wasn't. I didn't at him or, or like other people do. But I have courtesy on Twitter. I'm not some troll like you guys think I am. How, on a scale of one to ten, how how offensive were you? Zero. Oh, okay. Oh, very nice. It was a random conversation. Come on, John. Okay. I'm well, not uncouth. I, I know you're downplaying whatever you said to the man, but I'll, I'll we'll, we'll take your word for it. I love you guys. I'm out of here. Thanks, Brandon. We'll see you in Tampa. The most polarizing caller. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, Equal fans and detractors. I, I would from say New Jersey, so. But you know what? Our phone lines are open. We say the phone lines are open. That means anybody can There's call There's always in. a spot here for Brandon from New Jersey. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as we are with the uh, AEW NXT oh, We have the numbers. Oh, we do already. Okay, wonderful. So um, AEW, 893,000 viewers. So up from last week. NXT, 794,000 viewers, which would also be up from last week. So within 99,000 viewers of one another, AEW tops them, uh, and we'll look to get the whole uh, rundown of So what was demos. that, 893 and what? 893 to 794. 794, okay. Uh, cool. That, that was just tweeted out by Brian Alvarez. So there we have it. Um, I want to make mention of this as well. Um, friend of the show, Alex Greenfield, uh, he's... He's written uh, or co-written a screenplay, and it's this horror film called Lullaby. And today, Deadline reported this uh, this project that's uh, been greenlit, and it's going to start filming next month in Toronto. Oh, excellent. Yeah, we'll so see a maybe, lot of him here. Maybe we'll have to pull up a chair here at the, the cafe hangout That'd as uh, great. Mr. Hollywood makes his way up to uh, Toronto. Our own VIP lounge. Yeah, for, yeah. for, for real. Yes. Uh did you want to talk a little bit about New Japan Pro Wrestling? Yeah, what did you see? I did see the main event, and I saw the finish of the uh, the, the semi-main as well. So I talked a little bit about the, the semi-main. It went 26 minutes, 47 seconds, with Rapongi 3K retaining. Uh, probably the most notable moment of the match was uh, Yo doing like the, the Les Kellett off the, bouncing off the rope and then missing with a super kick and hitting Sho. Yes, yes. Did Which, you see something more about that? They didn't really play it up as anything other than a miscommunication spot. So I do wonder if this is going to send Yo into becoming a, an alcoholic and going to drink beer with fans. Uh, that would be quite the uh, quite the adopting of a of a new gimmick for for Yo. Um, I don't know if it if there's anything more to it than perhaps just a little bit of uh, mis miscommunication. But uh, my my prediction it should be a slow thing. And I think the first step is that they're in the same block in the best of super juniors and they have to have a match. Oh, okay. That's how I would progress. Well, things. at this point, I really don't know how much further you go with them. I mean, who really is begging for another junior tag team title run, right? And uh, they've already teased show versus Shingo again. So maybe we can expect singles runs, at least from one of them. Whether or not if it's, you know, um, uh, against each other remains to be seen. It was a good match. I, I liked it. Um, it could have been eight to 10 minutes shorter. Tighten sure. it up. It's it's the 750 word rule that I was given in grade 12 economics. Okay, our teacher, he told us your essay assignment it has a max of 750 words, and everyone's like, why why so short? He said because I want you to get all the crap out of your essays, and he was so right because when I would write an essay, I would just I would write it all out and I'd have 3,000 words, and you know what? Half of it was totally unnecessary. So mm -hmm. sometimes some matches, they need a 750-word rule. Maybe we just need a Twitter, but for wrestling matches. You might need it, yes. So what are we talking like? That's what Raw is, isn't it? Or that's what Raw used to be, like two-minute matches. Well, with all the acts they're trying to introduce, AEW is pretty close to 280 characters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, main event, Shingo Takagi, Tomohiro Ishii. They went 27.04. Um, I wanted to, I thought this was a great main event presentation. And by presentation, I'm including Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton, who did everything you want out of a commentary team. That is take the story in the ring, grow on it, emphasize it and add other elements. We had the fact that 
14 times the never openweight champion has failed in their first title defense that automatically gave you a story in this match. Then there was the influence of Tenru on both men mm -hmm. from the time that from Ishii's early days in war to Tenru serving as a consultant in Dragon Gate, where he was someone that Takagi cited as an influence as well. Um, I, I thought they were really great. And Kevin Kelly's call when Ishii was chopping the hell out of his throat. We got a Jesus Christ out of Kevin Kelly. A very genuine a very jesus genuine christ, jesus sure. christ yeah yeah i think the match was you know anything you would have expected from these two um they they've really kind of like since uh wrestle kingdom had uh, a series of interactions that kind of culminated in exactly what you would expect here a very brutal match and delivered exactly i think what everybody wanted out of these two we got one counts we had that suplex exchange back and forth mm -hmm. and takagi hit him with Made in Japan, which I think is a move that whether it be a couple like six mans or even in a title defense, I think he needs to win a match with Made in, made in Japan and just not against Ishii. Maybe not against Ishii, but the fact that you say that it, it tells you exactly like that's a move that is not for it's not a finish. And I think that you need to educate people to believe in certain finishes that can end the match. Like yeah. we saw with the Benadriller this week on Monday. Yeah, yeah. I don't disagree with you at all. Um it, it it certainly changes things up a little a, a little bit. At the same time, you have to kind of pick and choose your spots. And I don't know if this one was necessarily. One I, of those. I'm not saying like now is not the time to do it in a big match, right. but that's the process of you know educate people, do it in a six man, yes. and then people can realize a, a match can end with this. Mm -hmm. So you hit him with that a uh, series of pumping bombers, including one where I thought Ishii's head landed in the third row mm -hmm. and one with uh, Last of the Dragon, mm -hmm. and then afterwards just pretty much said all comers. Come for the champion. And Ishii went after Takagi after the match, and they almost played it up like this was a fighter getting that flash knockout, and then he doesn't even realize the match is over. Mm. But I guess keeping Ishii in the mix here. But this was a really solid effort from both guys, in particular Ishii having, like, showing, like, he still has a lot uh, of mileage at, at this stage to do the big main event match. And I'll say, I mean, and not, not more so not phasing him down. Like, this is clearly like they. He's not in a Nagata role yet where the guy can still go, but they're not putting him in that level. They are putting Ishii in those spots. I really feel like he's far from it. You know, he's still among the best performers in that entire company right now. Well, that's so. that's why I make the comparison. I, I think Nagata had lots of years left in him, but they just made that decision that he was at a stage where we're not going to put him in those big positions. And I, I think Ishii, you know, that that is going to be where in the next year or two that that discussion will likely be had with him. Sure. Of just, he's at such an age, he's taking up a spot and he's going to be relegated below that. But this was a really outstanding main event. And then they come back. Oh my God. Did you, <laughs> did you see the Colt Cabana tweet about Tiger Hattori's retirement? I did not. No. Oh my God. You have to, uh, I got to pull this up for you. This was literally the funniest thing. So Colt Cabana wrote announcement. I am not in chaos. I just saw people going to the ring to honor Tiger Hattori, <laughs> and I assumed everyone was coming. Then while out there, I realized, oh, no, it's only chaos. And here's the photo. <laughs> Look at this of the uh, of the in-ring. And there he is. He's with all of chaos. Dude, I howled. I laughed so hard. Well, who the hell knows who's even in chaos completely now? Oh Come God. on. I'm sure Colt himself got confused. Oh, That's best, hilarious. Dude. The best reply was uh, Marty DeRosa who said, when did the Curb Your Enthusiasm music start playing? <laughs> it's just unbelievable. That's I laughed hilarious. so hard at that. I thought it was maybe my favorite tweet of the year. 
Um, it's so funny, dude. Anyway, so tomorrow they've got uh, it's the tag title match with the Gorillas of Destiny against Tanahashi and Ibushi, as well as a never six man tag team title match with uh, Taguchi, Cabana, and Yano challenging Shingo Takagi, Evil, and Bushi. And then Saturday is Manabu Nakanishi's retirement ceremony. So four straight nights at uh, Corican Hall. Wonderful, wonderful. And uh, I can, uh, we do have our uh, full ratings now from AEW and uh, NXT. AEW, again, as John said, 893,000 total viewers, 0.31 in the demo. NXT, 794,000 viewers, and 0.25 in the demo. Placing, uh, so AEW was fifth place in the night, um, and then NXT was 16th overall in the evening amongst cable. And the Democratic uh, debate on MSNBC, for comparison's sake, seven man, seven million six hundred fourteen. Was that was it spread out on several networks? It uh, might, it might have well, been. I only see MSNBC here. I mean, we're only talking cable at the moment right. uh, for for this particular ratings, but uh, point one two two in the in the prime demo. Have you been following so, any of the uh, the Democratic? Oh uh, God, no primaries. No, I'm not. What a Man, we, we we might have to do some some democratic coverage over the next few weeks. You know, this you, this you thing's insane, updated. dude. It's insane. Wow. Um. All right. Well, there are your numbers. Um. Surprising at all? I I would say, g- given the debate that both numbers were they, were they up from came, last week, yeah. that's a that's a good sign that there yeah. was um, enough interest. It's really going to take something. I feel for AEW to hit that million figure. Mm-hmm. Um. I can't, these last three weeks have been three of the best shows. What do you think is more likely, AEW hitting a million or at this point NXT overtaking AEW? What's more likely? Yeah. Because... I'd say AEW hitting a million. Yeah, because right now I would say at least the the way the the numbers are splitting right now seems to be pretty stable. I think the the biggest card that NXT has to play on on, on their television is the Charlotte-Bianca match. At the moment, which I don't think is, and I enough. and I don't think that's a guarantee they're going to win the night Mm-mm. with that. I I don't know if they have anything to play at the moment that's going to unseat AEW. I think these viewers are very much in their habit, and this is it's going to take um, it's going to take a big momentum shift for NXT to gain buzz, and it's going to be a long process versus you know even hot shotting a big match like Charlotte and Bianca on TV, which I would imagine would be. Maybe you get two Charlotte matches in the lead up to WrestleMania, but one for sure. Seems like certainly, you know, the 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 big thing that affected their playbook was the lead up to Survivor Series, and um, will they be looking at other opportunities beyond, you know, individual members jumping to 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 NXT to help them to to make a more kind of show wide storyline to make NXT feel as relevant as Raw or SmackDown uh, outside of Survivor Series? Um, what else do we have news wise? Um, we had. Uh, for SmackDown on Friday night, the Bella Twins are going to be on Moment of Bliss. The Usos and the New Day will take on Miz Morrison, Bobby Roode, and Dolph Ziggler. Carmella takes on Naomi in the number one contenders match. Bill Goldberg is on the show. Let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. If this week's SmackDown does a very a big number by SmackDown standards, let's say it does 2.5 million plus viewers. Yes. Number one, do you attribute that to Goldberg? And number two, if you do, does it give the WWE any pause for what you do with Bill Goldberg next week? Or do you think it's set in stone that The Fiend is with Roman Reigns? That's WrestleMania. Oh, very good question. Mm, I don't think 
would, would you be inclined affect. to react to that number? Because well, I, I would say this number on Friday could be the only thing that might um, affect their planning. I have to imagine if Bill Goldberg was available for a longer period, I'm sure they would want him, right? I mean, I guess the question is what they – I don't know what they've already negotiated with Bill Goldberg, whether or not he's got a role at WrestleMania or not. But um, uh, yeah, if the numbers do really well, I would certainly reconsider it. Now, would I would it change – my mind to like if you had been locked book. into the fiend and reigns is one tv number going to change your plans personally no i i think that you know um there's the opening to have bill goldberg have do something else at wrestlemania but perhaps um i don't think i would change the finish though to the match because then what do you do with the other person what do you do with either a roman or a fiend well to me it would be the odd person out the question would be fiend versus roman or goldberg versus roman the, well, what do you do with the odd person out well it, that would be the fiend and finding something else for him. Yeah. Uh, on such short notice, do you think that they could do something? I, I would guess no. I, I imagine they're going to stick with the idea of the Fiend and, and Roman Reigns. Like they have, it would really, it would be an acknowledgement that all of this buildup with the Fiend were kind of getting cold feet at the end when it's the biggest show of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, this is, this is WWE. Yeah. It's, it, changes can happen. The, the, you know, is there also that much to say that, you know, um, Goldberg's uh, biggest, I think, contributions right now would be towards something as a wrestle like WrestleMania, or or would you save him for a bigger TV match if TV is really what matters right now? Um, I think it's, I think SmackDown at the moment, like it's not the sense like I think they're going to take big matches and just throw them onto TV. I think they've got their their audience on Friday night. You know, Bill Goldberg matches potentially a match you could sacrifice though. It it could be, yeah. yeah. All right, we go to the phone lines for one last time on the show. Caller, you're on the air. What's up? Hello, guys. It's Neil. Hey, Neil. You, nice to hear from you. Are you keeping well? Oh, yeah. I would say so. It's a little cold here, but we're doing all yeah, right. Yes, I heard. Um, just a couple of quick points, if I can, before you go off. Um, another thumbs up for the interview with uh, Kristen. I was, I, was, mm-hmm. um, I was taken by what she said about companies needing to keep a better eye on emerging trends if they want to be relevant. And I think they really could do worse than to look at the indie scene. In BritRes and more in my experience, OTT, the the live crowds skew much more gender mixed and way more young than the demographics we hear about every week, particularly from main roster shows. Mm. Um, If I assume the crowds at indie shows are similar in the U.S., you know the WWE, AEW, and all the others really need to pay heed to that if they want to, if they want a future audience. Um, and speaking of demographics, just to, uh, to go back to the ruthless aggression quote documentary unquote. Um, I mean, I assume it's largely being watched by people who remember all those events. So I'm largely with you, John. The 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 show was well produced as all their stuff is, but it was a load of tripe. Uh, um, <laughs> And the, the WWE rebranding part, especially, we've seen all this before with the Monday by Monday Night Wars series they did, but it just underscores the continuing need for proper wrestling journalism, such as post-wrestling. Um, it really does feel like Vince's victory lap is an infinite loop at this point. It's so boring. You know, we've had Sting's come back to have him get beaten by Triple H at WrestleMania 31, and it's just... Uh, you know, get over it. Um, take it the win. Um, and one very last quick thing. For anyone with a vague grasp of Irish history, 
any branding, including the words UK Takeover Dublin, is it, is <laughs> oh, a mis- I didn't even, yeah, it's silly. Is a misstep at best. Um, and perhaps it's just time to rebrand NXT UK as NXT Europe. Right. Or as the BWE guys would have it, uh, just put the whole idea in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But that was it. <laughs> Thanks for taking my call, guys. Thanks very no much. Que- Always appreciate Sorry it. Sorry there was no question, just a nope. little chat. But we, we just love to hear your uh, your voice, Neil. Thank you. You're too kind. Bye. <laughs> Take care. Um, just uh, looking at the demos here, NXT did win among uh, 18 to 34-year-olds and women uh, between 12 and 34. They also tied them in the over 50 audience. So AEW at least tied them there. And they also tied with women 18 to 49. So Mm. there were some silver linings here for NXT um, winning outright in, in two of the demos Interesting, at least. So um, I I would say honestly for, for that NXT show, I would attribute their bump mainly to just coming off takeover. And I think there was some buzz to that show because that's a show that just watching it. um, I I don't know if it would have, if I was a wrestling fan and I was flipping back and forth and you had that lively crowd in Atlanta, yep. I'd be really curious of how the main event of NXT performed because you had right. the visual of the cage, a really hot crowd. It's a Cody match. We've got blood. I mean, it's just like, just if you're looking at two screens, what's mm-hmm. grabbing your attention in those final 15 minutes? Mm-hmm. So um, that's notable. Um, on the Irish front, um, we haven't talked about this yet, but uh, Scrapper Mania is coming up next month. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's actually a card done in honor of Wei Ting's birthday on March the 14th. It's right? a Ting Mania. Uh, and they're going to have David Starr against John Moxley. Yeah, yeah. That sounds great. I mean, John Moxley, I, I don't know what sort of deal he has with AEW, but I, I, I think it's it's wonderful for Sounds all... like internationally he can book himself as long as it, it doesn't conflict. It's wonderful for all wrestling fans because we're still getting to see him wrestle everybody outside of uh, you know the WWE, it seems. He's having matches with Zack Sabre Jr. and David Starr. It's really a, a list of who's who uh, in, in the international wrestling scene. So I'm looking forward to that. I think he it's a really interesting dynamic. I'm really curious to know, you know, in terms of the promos and story, like how David Starr himself would really frame he, it. He started it here. He tweeted out, going from one billionaire to another billionaire <laughs> isn't a paradigm shift. <laughs> it awesome. sounds like the same fucking thing to me. Oh, that's great. Uh, he found the angle. Oh, oh man. That show is going to be awesome. I, I really am... <laughs> Excited to watch uh, that show. I know we're uh, we're a month away from it, but uh, and Pac's going to be on that show as well against okay. uh, LJ Cleary. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, a, a lot of great stuff going on. Uh, just so, sort of on the uh, 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 I guess European wrestling front. Um, I wanted to make mention that Jamesy has a big interview coming out tomorrow. Actually, this evening, uh, twelve a.m. T- Eastern on a Thursday, uh, five a.m. in the morning for our UK audiences. Um. He's got a big interview right now, uh, this week with Josh Bevan, who is the promoter of Riptide Pro Wrestling. And I, I found this particularly really interesting because, uh, Riptide. Oh, you had, got an advanced copy. Yes, I did. Wow. Look uh, at you, Mr. Access. I'm very, I'm a very special person, but, uh, you know, they, they go in depth a, a, about maybe like the presentation and unique cinematic look of Riptide Wrestling. Oh, that sounds and, awesome. And how, um, how Riptide is trying to set itself apart with regards to p- putting special emphasis into like quality of like video production. So if you're That's nerd, so big, if you're a nerd like me and, and love hearing about that stuff, uh, do download the British Wrestling Experience coming out t- uh, tonight. 
The Jamesy Chronicles are just a tremendous series mm-hmm. of uh, interviews. So uh, check that out with Jamesy. Friday night, Wayne are, are back with Rewind to SmackDown. That's available to all members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. And then this weekend, uh, we've got a new edition of Thunderstruck, Thunderstruck dropping with WH Park and Mike Murray. It's the O'Grady's reunion, as I would call it, as they're going to be reviewing Jushin Thunder Liger and Black Tiger 2, a.k.a. Eddie Guerrero, from June of 1996. They're going all the way back to. Uh, so look out for that at postwrestling.com. Once again, tickets are available for Post Wrestling live in Tampa. Go to postwrestling.com slash live. That's happening Sunday, April the 5th at noon at the Art Institute of Tampa, just walking distance from Raymond James Stadium, the site of WrestleMania. A 10-minute walk, if you're fast, maybe even seven. If you want to sprint, you could probably do it in, like, what, five, four? Meet and greet slash wind sprints to follow (laughs) our Q&A show. We hope to see many of you in Tampa. I want to thank again Kristen Ashley for joining us. Go check her out. Belltobells.com. Would definitely love to have her back on some week. Also wanted to give some shout-outs to the people here in the chat room. Hello, Bruhavin, always for hanging out with us. Chris Elliott, Eric Marcote. Who else is is in here? That's uh, Phil. Gabe. Gabe Real. Yes, Phil. Uh, All you guys. Thank you. Lorenzo. Biff. Nice to see you all. Jordan. Jeremy. Thank you guys for joining us live, and uh, as always, patrons, 3 o'clock Eastern on a Thursday. Although next week, we got a special schedule, don't we? We'll be on Thursday night next week after the card from Saudi Arabia. Uh, Myself and Way and Mike Murray is going to jump in on the Hangout with us as well, so we'll run through that card. So a a Thursday night edition of the Hangout. Okay, so uh, do tune in to that. Thank you guys for joining us. Sayonara. Sayonara.